0: You're listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show on CITR FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard right there, the chocolate watch band with... Come on. Today on the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show, interviews with the War on Drugs from Philadelphia and David Johansson from the New York Dolls. The War on Drugs and David Johansson on the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show. Right now, I would like to read a few notes that have been sent to me. Corey from the Ballantines writes me. Corey from the Ballantines here. Just thought I would drop you a line because I am promoting the Chains of Love Strange Grey Days release party at the Cobalt tomorrow, Saturday, August 11th. I was hoping you might be able to mention it on your show this Friday. Well, of course, Corey. The lineup is Chains of Love and the React, and DJ Bryce Dunn, and as tomorrow at the Cobalt, 9.30, $10 at the door. Again, Chains of Love record release party tomorrow at the Cobalt, with Chains of Love and the React, and DJ Bryce Dunn, 9.30 p.m. Also got a note, hi, I work for a group called the Nonprofit Organization to Destroy the World. And you've helped us a few times in the past for promoting some of our events. I recently realized I told you that I was personally going to drop off a copy of our issue number two at CITR with your name on it. And I did drop two copies off, but I never put your name on it. Did you ever receive it? Nope, never did. If not, and if so, I would like to try and make up for the past grievance for bringing a copy of Issue 3 with your name on it. I'll be dropping a copy of Issue 3 off tomorrow at the CITR station. I got it. Thanks so much. Right off the bat here, it is the Non-Profit Organization to Destroy the World book. It's an amazing book, fanzine, magazine put together, and they're having a release party for it. And that's happening August The 23rd, a rip-roaring riot of electrolyzations with World Club, Meek Odyssey, and The Nightmirrors. That's World Club, Meek Odyssey, and The Nightmirrors at the Cobalt, again, August the 23rd and it's doors at 9 $7 to get in. Friends and family welcome and I will say again, it's put on by the non-profit organization to destroy the world who have a great little fanzine book put together. It kind of looks like Vice magazine in a way it's bounded on the corner except it's super thick and oh, I guess there's a few nudie pics in here, racy once as well on the Vice style, but all sorts of great comp- contributions in here. The non-profit organization to destroy the world Thank you so much. And again, their gig August the 23rd at the Cobalt with World Club, Meek Odyssey, and Nightmares, a release party for their magazine. Also have another note here. And it is from, on Opus Hotel letterhead, from Alex from the band Franz Ferdinand. Here are a couple of records you might like. I was telling you about them yesterday. There are some Russian beat groups from the 1960s. I don't know how good they are, but they are certainly curiosities. Well, thank you, Alex, from Franz Ferdinand, who played an amazing gig in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada on Wednesday at the Commodore here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And before Alex had mentioned to me, he played a gig in Russia with Franz Ferdinand just a couple of weeks ago well, a week, weeks ago as well. And he shouted out the band. Pussy Riot, when he was up on stage, and Pussy Riot, members of Pussy Riot, because he was in Russia, were actually at the concert. Not the ones that were incarcerated, but the other ones from Pussy Riot, and he talked to them as well. Totally amazing. And Alex also went out record shopping, and he bought a few records. And we're going to hear the records right now that Alex from Franz Ferdinand bought in Russia. Russia and now is given to me thank you Alex from Franz Ferdinand thank you Corey from the Ballantines again tomorrow night at the Cobalt change love and react and also thank you to nonprofit organization to destroy the world. They're having a gig the 23rd at the Cobalt with World Club Meek Odyssey and Nightmares. So right now, gonna play these two records here that were given to me by Alex and Franz Fernand. Thank you so much, Alex. Really appreciate it. These like straight from your suitcase right to the CITR listener's ears. I don't actually know how to pronounce any of the names of any of the bands. So we'll just have to listen to the music and find out. You can make your own names for it. So here are a couple songs from Two Seven Inches, personally imported by Alex from Franz Ferdinand. Thank you, Alex Importer Franz Ferdinand. And here are some Russian bands right now and in an interview with War on Drugs on the Nardwar, the Human, Serviette, Radio, Чау!
1: Вальсе небесном Мы с тобой Мчимся Сквозь облака Ты как пушинка Ты ветра порыве Легка Кажется, будто бы Мы одни Я, я и ты, небо взлетаем и падаем друг, чтоб захватила дух. Птицы поют весну наполняя сотни минут, и вихревалься кружится их хоровод. Танцует вся земля, я и ты, ты и я. Небо взлетаем и падает вдруг, чтоб захватила дух. Взлетаем сквозь наши сны и чутким сердцем мы слышим дыхание весны. Кажется будто бы мы одни, ты и я, я и ты. В небо взлетаем и падаем вдруг, чтоб захватило дух. Доб захватила ду
2: My Adam from the band The War on Drugs.
0: Adam, who'd you have beside you? This is Dave from The War on Drugs. Hello, Dave. Hi there. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada.
2: Pleasure to be here.
0: Now, Adam, tell me, the Moog Museum, you got a free
2: theremin? What's that about? I did. We got a free, we played a, a Moog Sound Lab um, show a couple summers ago. Uh, they set you up in this, in this room at the Moog area, and they, tons of Moogafugers and Voyagers and whatever. And um, at the end of the day, they gave us a theremin.
0: The Moog Sound Labs?
3: That's right. The Moog Sound Labs.
0: Where is that? That sounds incredible.
2: It's in Asheville, North Carolina.
0: How do you get an invitation there, and how do you get free
2: stuff? We, uh, I forget how we got an invitation, but they do these films web series where the bands, you kind of go in without your own equipment. You play your own songs, but on their stuff. So on Moogs and like Moog guitars and Moog Taurus pedals. And you kind of try to, the whole point is like, you know, at first we were doing our thing. And then they're like we just kind of want you to not worry about like what it normally sounds like and just experiment with the crazy stuff you have in your hands. So we played 3 or 4 of our songs like in a completely different fashion with completely different, you know, instruments and, Mo- and all of moog stuff and it was crazy. And at the end of the day like just as a thank you for coming they gave us the Sternman. And then I Ended up selling it about two months later, but that's, that's different. Was there any other neat stuff there in the Moog Museum, Amphitheater? Well, that was actually the, um, that was the Moog Sound Lab, so they don't have any old stuff there. But what they did show is they wheeled out on a gurney, nonetheless, the new Moog at the time, which was coming out in like eight months, which was pretty much the Voyager in a mini-Moog made into one synth. It was beautiful. And they- I thought you were
0: going to say they wheeled
2: out like the guy from Emerson Lake and Palmer on a gurney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, essentially, I guess in a way they did, but um, there was there is a Wakeman setting on the uh, on the mini Moog, which is actually nice kind of synth lead, but it's a beautiful place. And um, that was actually before they had rebuilt the Moog um, studios. But in the years since, they Moog is a whole new complex in Asheville, and it's, it's just really great people, and it's a great town, and it's an awesome place. Tell me about the Kraft Cheese song. Uh, it was uh, sort of a
3: a failed attempt to record a song backstage while Destroyer was doing uh, was it during their soundcheck or during their their during, set during their set during their set we we just uh, we tr- we we had like a deadline we had to turn in this song and
0: like when I say craft cheese song people might be thinking oh what a neat nickname but there really is some craft cheese associated with this isn't there
2: yeah there was like you know there was an idea of uh, or the craft cheese had asked they were looking for a song and so you know. It's like the way it works, like, you know, people always pitch it to probably, there's probably 7,000 bands that could potentially, uh, you know, submit something. So we were like, at the time, you know, we had been on this crazy tour, we're all just super broke, we're like, let's just try it. But we hadn't, I wasn't like in any position where I was going to like, give a song that we had recorded. So I was like, well, maybe let's just try to record something. So over the course of that six weeks, we like, you know, tried to put a few things together, on an inbox, you know, backstage. But I think we submitted it. But it w- I, I mean, it wasn't really. Literally, it was pretty lyrically. It was gibberish. Yeah. Literally.
0: Do you know who won the Kraft Cheese Song Sweepstakes?
2: No.
3: How did your Kraft Cheese Song go? What were the lyrics? I think it—it it was gibberish. It was—I mean, it, it was plugged gibberish. into the space echo into the thing, and I, I, you know, we did some harmonies on it and just some drones, and it was—it was just gibber jabber. And I think <laughs> I actually like picturing them listening to it, thinking how this would pair with like a Velveeta commercial. But I don't blame them for passing on it. I think
2: the whole thing was, was that you got a demo fee for submitting something. So if you actually submitted something, you got a couple hundred bucks. And so I essentially, I, need, I owed somebody that exact amount of money. So I was like, all right, well, then we'll just do it. And then you get the check and then you're, you're, then you're straight.
0: Well, I think it's great. War on Drugs were touring with a great Canadian band, Destroyer. That's right. And you weren't afraid to experiment. Not at all. And there's some other great Canadian bands. A guy who's kind of an adopted Canadian. I have a gift for you, War on Drugs.
2: What can you tell me about Ronnie Hawkins? I knew you. I knew you were going to bring this. This is crazy. It's Ronnie ex- Well, I mean, Dave could probably tell him a little better because he's a massive band fan. But I do know that he. Uh, you this know, is a gift for you guys. A legend in his spare time.
3: It's amazing. Yeah, he he discovered uh, Levon and the Hawks was what they were called. It was called Ronnie Hawkins and the Hawks and. You know he's he's worn many hats in his in his time, but
2: there's so one w- record we always we always talk about. There's a record called The H- a Hawk and Winner, which is like super rare, super hard to find, and um, got into it a couple of years ago. It's a, such a beautiful Ronnie Hawkins record, just all covers, a lot of Tim Hardin songs. It does a Bob Dylan song, um, Gordon Lightfoot, yeah, Gordon, Gordon Lightfoot song, song, beautiful. And um, but he's he's amazing. You know he's a true true rock and roll legend. You know Ronnie Hawkins. True rock and roll legend. And I love that you guys are going to maybe reissue
3: it? Yeah, we, I mean, we've talked about it, and actually the, the dudes from Secretly Canadian, uh, you know, at least showed some interest. So I, don't, I, don't, I personally don't understand the legalities of that, so I have no idea if it'll happen or not, but... We we certainly love it or not enough, and I, you know when you tour, go to so many record stores, and I have looked so hard for that album, and no one has ever even heard of it ever. We're talking the you know at Amoeba and the craziest. There's an amazing store right over here that I went to last time. I was at, at Neptune. Yeah, Neptune, and they hadn't heard of it. They had all these other rarities, but they didn't hadn't heard of it. So. It's not so much that it's the best album ever. It's just that no one's ever heard it, and people should hear it. It's, it, would be a, it would be a gift for most people to hear that, you know.
0: What are people missing by listening to this Ronnie Hawkins record and not the one that you love so much?
3: Um, They're missing sort of that that rare overlap of, like, country and psychedelia, I think. It's just a very, you know, Lee Hazelwood tapped into it a little bit, but there's just not a lot of psychedelic sort of Americana sounds, and it, it, it's sort of, it's really dreamy. There's... Really uh, beautiful theremin and uh, harpsichord and lap steel. And it's just tons of verb. And, and he, he just covers... It's the song choices. He covers these great songs. It's, there's no original music on it. But, so, but I don't know this record at all. Maybe this yeah, is I even could. better.
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe this is going to blow my mind even yeah, more.
3: Who knows? Better. We might not need to reissue it. just need to get
2: a couple copies of this. I mean, that sounds like it could be a great closer. I love that
0: Warren Drugs love Ronnie Hawkins and the Frogs equally. Yeah, the, most definitely the Frogs, yeah. When did you get into the Frogs? I know you have an Ebenezer Frogs
2: t-shirt. I do have an Ebenezer Frogs t-shirt. Um, I got into the Frogs... When was the first? Well, two thousand, two thousand one. 2001, I covered a song by the Frogs when I lived in California at an open mic. So, it must have been 99... 98 or 99, I got into, like, Ban Animals, Frogs. And, I mean, obviously, it's super messed up in its own way but I just really took to it in a strange way I think I took to it at first obviously I knew the songs were like humorous and really messed up but there was also like a really high level of musicianship going on especially in the guitar work so at that age I was like 17 or 18 Um, you know how I found out about actually remember when I was younger in high school I remember Eddie Vedder of all people had like a rate did like this traveling radio thing and I had something on a tape, and I remember I heard, um, he, he, he loved the Frogs, and he played that star song. And I heard that's you know, homos, we love homos, all that song. And like, and they played homos, and like, I listened to the guitar, and it was awesome. And then I got into like, all the other frog stuff. And then I bought Racially Yours, when I lived in San Francisco, which isn't, it's, it's alright, it's, it's some decent material there. But, but then I actually played a show with them at ATP last year, and uh met jimmy and they're, they're awesome they're great
0: from an open mic to atp unbelievable right a war on
2: drugs adam please tell me haberdashy haberdashy was not your dad into haberdashy oh, haberdashy my dad well my dad owned a uh, woman's clothing store for about 40 years in massachusetts
0: and you yourself do you have some fixation about hats like
2: cutting off the balls of toques that's funny i mean i don't know where that came from um I don't ever recall wanting to cut off the top. Like, you know, I'm not like holding myself back. Pom-pom balls. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't have any idea, recollection of where that came from. But some, somewhat, some, some girl is convinced that I like to go around and cut the balls off uh, wool, and wool caps. But I don't re- recall ever doing it. So, Warren Drugs, welcome to Vancouver, home of the Vancouver
0: Grizzlies.
3: Yes. Well, a former home.
0: <laughs> yes, former home of the Grizzlies. Yeah, for sure. Steve Francis.
3: He would know more. Stevie franchise. Yeah, I'm sorry about that.
0: Steve Francis said the only good thing about Vancouver was cheap CDs.
3: Well, he's a fool. He's a fool, and he's now uh, he got he got laughed right out of the NBA. So who's laughing now?
0: What do you guys remember
3: about the Grizzlies at all? Do you remember anything about the Grizzlies? What Grizzlies do you remember? Bibby. I'm, I remember uh, Big Country, uh, Bryant, uh, Big Country, Brian Reeves. Right. I remember him getting an 80 million dollar contract and then tearing his ACL or something, and he was like one of the few hillbillies in the NBA. I remember. Sharif Abdul Rahim, I remember some other, yeah, Bibby, you know, I remember them being not really uh, very good, but having sort of ugly uniforms and then uh, relocating to Memphis. Are you
0: from <laughs> Philadelphia?
3: Not originally, I'm from uh, Maryland, but I've been there for about a decade, so. Do you remember George Lynch? Yeah, yeah, sure. He played for the Lakers. He played for the Sixers. Yeah, sure. And the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies, UNC. That's right. And
0: his famous thing was that Vancouver didn't have good potato chips, and he had to drive across the border to get good potato chips.
3: Life's tough. So
0: that was one of the reasons that Vancouver was not so up there with NBA players. If he ate less chips, he would have uh, <laughs> yeah.
3: seen a little more court time. <laughs> <laughs> boom! Right. <laughs> what do you remember about George Lynch, though? I remember him at UNC, and I remember him having some big games for the Lakers when Magic was coaching him. And then I remember him kind of fizzling for the Sixers, and that's about it.
0: I think it's great though that you Warren Druggers were like hooked up by your publicist Jessica with like ESPN or something.
2: Yeah, we did a chat, like an ESPN chat, uh, a couple months ago. Um, It was cool. We went over to Dave's, and we just, you know, people just emailed questions in, and we logged onto the server thing, and. We kind of, you know, after, after about 25 minutes, we started getting, like, a groove, and yeah, it, was it, was, it was
3: fun. It was really fun. And that dovetailed into maybe one of your next questions, but we ended up hanging out with Matt Bonner, who's a, a you know, music fan, and he plays for the Spurs. He's a three-point specialist. His brother actually came to one of our shows at South By, yeah. who he plays for uh, um, the Austin D-League team, which I can't remember what they're called, but he was a really sweet dude. Yeah.
0: All because of Jessica's ESPN chat?
3: She's the gatekeeper for a lot of things Including this interview right now
2: (laughs) Which is pretty amazing She also She's a big basketball fan herself So when she started working for the band Before the record came out I think it got around that we were into hoops And then That was kind of like We became friendly with her Rather than just like You know like a professional relationship So she became our friend And then It was almost like she enjoyed seeing if she could get us on ESPN, like these outlets that I guess most bands wouldn't even think of. But it kinda dovetailed and yeah, the Bonner thing and then like I don't know, it's cool. Like you know, Dave Dave and Dave especially has a real real true knowledge and like a real love for the game and like, so in every city you play, there's NBA players on the guest list now for Warren Drugs.
3: We used to do that. I kind of, I kind of, we used to tweet, you know, guest list names and stuff like that. Maybe I should resurrect that. I just stopped doing it because I didn't want people to, you know, pigeonhole us. I, I, I got a little self-conscious because I was tweeting so much about hoops. And I was like, man, <laughs> people are gonna start wondering like what we do. But
2: but then he stopped, and then there were some tweets back being like, where are the hoop tweets? Like, yeah. who, where the hoop, hoop, t- hoop tweets go? So.
0: And you are into war and drugs in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You're from Philadelphia. That's right. And
2: I think Philadelphia is amazing. Like, for instance, the Dead Milkman. The Dead Milkman, yeah. Actually, we, uh, Dave and I, we, we worked, we had the band, but we also had a day job a couple of years ago in West Philly, um, West Philadelphia, doing property stuff, renting houses and turning houses over and cleaning stuff out. And the Dead Milkman actually lived, one of the houses that our company had rented for years and years and years and years. Uh, they lived in that house for about 12 years in the, uh, I guess, 80s to the, pretty much all through the 90s. Was
3: that a selling point then?
2: Yeah, I think it was actually. If not, it should have been. Did you tell people boss. about that? Yeah, I mean, everyone told us about it all the time. Our boss, Bill, at the time, he was like good friends with them just because he loved a lot of rock music and all see What's the address so people can rent this uh, Dead <laughs> Milkman house? It was. All I can remember is that it was on Buckingham. Yeah, it was on Buckingham. It was like, it was like 216 like, Buckingham yeah, Street, I think. It was like a side street, like... Like uh, kind of at the very end of where most univer- where the college kids would live in West Philadelphia, right on the very tip. And um, but from what I hear, they were great tenants. They like you know the kept the house clean and they paid the rent. And, and you know our boss, who was a big rock fan, it was kind of like he was like humbled to like rent to them for so long. And they became friends. And and then they actually did some recording recently in Philadelphia with Brian Mcteer, who's the guy who's worked on um, war on drug stuff before and our individual projects and. And um, just a local kind of sound engineering legend in, in his own way. So, yeah, kind of full circle.
0: I noticed Adam War on Drugs, that so you were in a comp with Dr. Dog. Yeah, the Tale of the City. Yeah, Tale of the City comp, yeah. And another comp, like a French one with Arthur Russell.
2: The fr- What was the French comp? Yeah, there was a French comp,
0: yeah. Arthur Russell and Dr. Dog sharing wax space yeah. with War on Drugs.
3: What's next? I know.
0: No, it's great. Okay. Russell's not from Philadelphia, though, right? Uh, where is he from? He's from, um, from New York, I think. In New York, yeah. The Dogger. The Dogger from Philly, yeah. Have you played with them? We uh, They rented houses, too, or have you found out about their houses? Where do they live?
3: I know where they live. I know where they live. Um, what's, what's their address? <laughs> yeah, they live. Uh, well, you get do you get your, your pencil. I know. I mean, actually, I don't think the drugs have ever played with Dr. Dog. I mean, I've played with them in other bands, and Adams played with them in other bands, yeah. and we're friends with them, and I know them really well and
2: like them a lot, but.
0: I was thinking wagon wheel. Yeah, wagon wheel. That was one of your releases.
2: That was the first full record. Yeah.
0: And you grew up in Dover, Mass. Dover, Mass. Yeah. So I was thinking Fluffernutter.
2: I, I, I wasn't thinking that, but I did love fluffer nutter.
0: Like wagon wheels, you know, marshmallows, food. Right. No, I love. I love.
2: I do love. What is the Fluffernutter and wagon wheel comparison? In case people are wondering what I'm talking about. I would say, uh, even though I'm still consider, like curious as to what you're talking about, I would say that, like the wagon wheel. I have no idea. I mean, I took fluffernutter. Fluffernutter is essentially just like you know marshmallows whipped up with peanut butter. Peanut butter, right? Um, well, that's a fluffer. That's a fluffernutter. A fluff, I guess. Fluff is just the marshmallow itself. I would take fluff, and because you couldn't really jam a lot of marshmallows in a mug of hot cocoa, I would just take a huge thing of fluff, stick it on the bottom of the mug, and then pour the hot cocoa in, and then I just twirl it. And it would be, like, this really delicious sugary treat. I was never super into, like, um, you know, because we did that in Dover, like, super cold winters, lots of snow. Go out, build a fort, come back in, make my Fluffernutter drink. But I was never really into, like, true Fluffernutter with the peanut butter and the fluff and the nutters. But now I live in Philadelphia, and we have Mayor Nutter. That's the mayor. His name's Michael Nutter. So it's the same as Fluffernutter? I wonder if he likes fluff It's a little bit different than Fluffernutter. Not as sweet. Wagon Wheel, Fluffernutter, Mare Nutter.
0: How
3: were the tacos at South By? They were, they were pretty good. Although it was on your list, wasn't it? The tacos are amazing at, at South Actually, I, this may sound like heresy, but the best tacos I had were from the Whole Foods truck, which I know that there's probably a lot of purists that are getting angry, but taste don't lie.
0: I actually went to that same Whole Foods truck. Was it parked the of the Marriott? Is that where you saw
3: it? Yeah, did you have the uh, like the the short rib uh, kimchi taco?
0: Yeah, exactly. It
3: was, was decent. It was it was kind of pricey though, wasn't it? Like oh. it was about yeah, it's a little little insane.
0: Like five dollars is that too much to pay? Like for instance, you know, I'm loving it.
2: The, it was about the it was same true. size it was as massive.
0: two tacos. It was massively big. I just thought I'm on vacation, South by, I can afford you know five, but it doesn't seem I'm just spoiling myself or treat yourself. Come on, you deserve it. Treat yourself, at your last gig, Warren Drugs, winding up here, or in San Francisco, you had a gig. Were there people actually looking up
2: tabs? Uh, well, that was actually, that was hilarious. No, he wasn't looking up tabs. I don't know what he was doing. He was just in the front row. And, I, you know, I understand that we live in the 21st century, and people have phones, and people are preoccupied. And, you know, and we're opening for Sharon, so I know that people aren't there to see us, and they're excited to see her. She's beautiful and great. And, but he was sitting right in the front row, right in front of me, leaning on the stage board on his phone and i just decided that and it, it really affected me because you're trying to have a really inspiring moment and you are with all these people and there's just one dude who just won't isn't even he's not even like giving it a shot you know and so i just decided to just go lean into him a little bit and uh i got on his case throughout the whole set about what he was doing on his phone and he didn't but I, I liked it a lot because everyone in the in – like the whole place, like 650 people were like, get off your phone, dude. And he wouldn't get off. He was like glued to it. And he just, and his girlfriend was like so embarrassed and I was just heckling him literally from like two and a half feet away. And he wasn't even acknowledging me. And the whole place was like kind of not screaming at him but like getting on his case. And I was really – I thought maybe he was actually, to be honest, a little slow. And then when Sharon came out, he was like – he turned, and he, he just, like, the whole show, he sat, like, really creepily, like, right in front of Sharon, just gazing at Sharon, and like, just, it was kind of, kind of freaky, so he wasn't, you know, he, I understand that people have phones, and, and they want to look at it, I do the same thing, but for some reason, that moment, it was in San Francisco, it was a great vibe, and this one guy was just not even, didn't even know, I guess the whole thing is, if you're in the front row, then you know you make a point to go to the front row and there's some other guy who maybe didn't get there as quick and he wishes he was in the front row. I saw this guy like 15 rows back and he was like loving every moment of us playing and he was still trying to see. He was kind of short. So I told him, I was like, why don't you come to the front? Because this guy obviously doesn't really want to be in the front and you do.
3: You know?
0: and Dave's looking up tabs right now.
3: That's right. Oh, sorry, what was that? I wasn't following what you were saying.
0: Sure. There are tabs though, aren't there? I don't know. Are there? They're probably- I want there to be some. Uh, yeah, there, there could be, yeah. Lastly here, Warren Drugs, in my rock and roll combo years ago, we played a gig in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Do you guys know that place? Yeah, Of course, yeah. It was at a laser tag place called Planet Trog. Have you ever heard of Planet Trog? I've never heard of Planet Trog, no. It was like a laser tag place. It was an amazing gig. Have you guys played in any laser tag places? Have you heard of Planet Trog? What are your experiences with laser tag type gigs?
3: Um, laser tag-type gigs, zero experience, but, you know, we have played in some very peculiar places. Like where? Um... Played in a boat. Played in a boat boat recently. We played on top of a, in an amusement park on top of a mountain in Spain. Yep. We played, uh, I don't know, played in a record store about an hour ago. I guess that's not that unusual, but...
0: And Warren Drug's five-star review in Uncut. Yeah, five stars. That's incredible.
2: It is incredible. Have you ever got a five-star review before? Not no, not even close to it. So what did that translate to? Um, it was just a great thing. I mean, you know, we got five stars. That that guy, the editor, of that magazine, Alan Jones. Alan Jones, He's like a legend. That guy, he's a legend. And and even from when we played, he's like kind of been like in our camp for a while, like just as a fan from afar. But we played a show. We did a tour in the in, in the UK a couple of years ago. We we're supposed to do this wide, this huge European tour that we flew over. And immediately the whole thing got cancelled because the band we were opening for canceled the tour, so we were kind of stranded in the u k totally broke out all this dough, and we did a pickup show in London, just this random one off show we got asked to play um, and we tried to play you know as inspired as we could and Alan Jones was there and wrote this crazy thing about it the next day on this on uncut 's blog about how like his mind was blown and, and it was meant, meant so much because we were so like down and out about this thing and then And then it kind of, you know, and I hadn't really communicated with him. And then he gave us that review on the new record. And it just means a lot because he's a legend. And, I mean, I've loved that magazine. First time I bought that magazine was when they did Dylan's 60th birthday article in 2000, 2001. And it was the most comprehensive Blood in the Tracks writing I'd ever read. And I thought it was just the best magazine. I never heard of it. And so I read it for 10 years and then to get, like, have your album reviewed in it. 10 years later And have a great review It's just like just one of those Beautiful things in life So yeah He's, he's been a Really awesome guy to us For sure How'd you get verified On Twitter? That's a very Very good question yeah. Because I, hey, I, we, we actually And Dave Like It blew Dave's mind Because Dave does 99% of the tweeting And like that i tried I've actually tried To say you can't
0: Get verified anymore So how did you get verified?
3: Literally just a blue thing Just appeared one day I don't know I have no idea How it happened yeah. I wish I I don't know even what it means. Like what is that? who are these people?
0: <laughs> Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all war on drugs? We just try to be the best rock band we can be. Well, thanks much, War on Drugs. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do doo Do doo do, do- loot doo Uh almost do 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 loo doo. doo do, do. Their caller,
4: Nardwar, make up your mind. Is it going to be the human scientists or me? You have to make your choice. I'm not going to like be second fiddle here.
0: Well, actually, I dumped We Are Scientists. It's David Johansson all the way. I told them they understood. They understood. And who are you?
4: I'm some kind of a man.
0: You are David Johansson from the New York Dolls.
4: Oh, that's right.
0: Now, David, I saw some pictures for the photo shoot for your LP. It looked really interesting. Could you explain that? You were in kind of a neat pink room.
4: It's pink, Nardwar. It's pleasingly pink. Some people might say perturbingly pink, but I think it's pleasingly pink.
0: And I think the word P is pretty important with the New York Dolls and you, David Johansson. For instance, a rhino compilation came out a couple of years ago, and it was called From Pumps to Pompadours, And
4: that and did it have personality crisis?
0: And that came out in 1995. So, is the word pink the word that applies to David Johansson, P, the P word applies to David Johansson in this decade?
4: I would say the word Nardwar that I would choose that would be most descriptive would be Pollyanna ish.
0: Interesting. David Johansson of the New York Dolls, of all the bands since the New York Dolls, who do you think had the best New York Dolls vibe? For instance, Hanoi Rocks, Motley Crue, Warrant, Poison, Enough's Enough, who do you think had the best New York Dolls vibe aside from the New York Dolls?
4: I would have to say, and it's going to take a little description because it wasn't a well-known band outside of a four-block area on the Lower East Side of New York City. They were known as the Harlots of 42nd Street. This consisted of about five guys. I would say the thinnest among them was about 215, 225 pounds, that is. Most of them were fairly muscular, had large legs, hairy, and wore torn fishnet hose, and played a rather out of tune, I would call it a vulgar sounding rock and roll music. They were my personal favorites, because I think of anyone who is going to choose drag as a lifestyle they were probably the most inept. What, Therefore, my favorite.
0: What time frame was this? Just if people want to go back and examine it, would you say, David?
4: Well, the Harlots of 42nd Street came out, I would say, the day after they saw the New York Dolls. They were probably in some kind of a Bachman-Turner overdrive outfit. david you-, you picture Randy Bachman in a dress, Nardwar?
0: You know, I actually could, because Randy Bachman is up for everything. Remember, he's jammed with Lenny Kravitz. He's jammed with the soundtrack of our lives. He's jammed with DOA, the Butthole Surfers. I could see Randy Bachman pretty much doing anything, actually.
4: Okay, so you could picture him in a dress.
0: Yes, totally.
4: Well, that's kind of what this band looked like.
0: Amazing.
4: They were really great. I mean, in the sense of being so bad, they were fabulous.
0: And we have a caller. Caller, are you there? Yes. Caller, go ahead to David Johansson. Hi,
5: David.
4: Hello, caller.
5: Uh, my name's Bev. And, Hi, Bev. Uh, I um, had a question to ask you. Um... When I saw Johnny Thunders here in 1981, I think, at Gary Taylor's Rock Room, somebody asked him what his favorite egg cream was, and he said that it was strawberry. Do you have a favorite egg cream?
4: Well, you know, it's rather pedestrian, but I would have to say the chocolate egg cream is probably the most superior egg cream, especially if it's made with Fox's You Bet syrup.
5: Oh
0: yeah, and, and Bev, why did you ask that question of Johnny Thunder? Is it had something to do about the album cover? Didn't it?
5: Yeah, the, um, I had heard. Now I'm not sure if this is true, but I had always heard that your first album cover, the New York Dolls, was taken on the steps of Jim Spa at the corner of Second Avenue and St Mark's Place. Is that correct? One? That's correct. Oh, good. Whoever told me that was telling me the truth. Then
4: now, now Bel- Jim Spa is alleged to be the inventor of the egg cream. But you know it's a myth, I believe, oh, yeah. because there was a guy down the street named Ruby who smoked a cigar and had a big pinky ring, ran a bookie joint on Second avenue,
5: who also sold
4: egg creams, oh yeah, and he claimed to be the inventor of the egg cream.
5: Wow, I'm not
0: totally sure what an egg cream is, David
4: well, Nardwar, you take a little syrup. In my case, it would be chocolate. The brand would be Fox's You Bet. Then you put a splash of milk, not a lot of milk. Then you fill it up with seltzer and stir. Serve with a froth and watch the smiles begin
0: very tasty. Bev, I think you also had an internet question that you emailed me earlier. Something about Johnny Thunders and his library card. Do you want to ask that question to David?
5: I don't know if David would know about that. Maybe I could just tell him that when Johnny Thunders came into Canada to play, he came across the border and the only piece of identification that he had was a New York City library card.
4: Well, he was very bookish. was he? (laughs) Oh, Yeah. (laughs)
0: Did you have a hard time getting Johnny to carry ID with him? Did he lose a lot of stuff?
4: Well, that wasn't my job. I think there was a guy who worked with us who, you know, tried to keep everyone's papers in order. But we had a lot of interesting papers, and uh, oftentimes the uh, border authorities would become rather flummoxed and eventually wave us through in exasperation.
0: <laughs> well, thanks so much for and Bev. Any other
5: questions at all for David Johansson? No, but have a good time in Vancouver, David. He's
4: actually... Well, thank you. Oh,
5: where are you? You're not in Vancouver.
4: He's where a, am I, Nardwa?
0: You're in Toronto, Ontario, Canada.
4: Oh, I'm in Toronto.
0: You're in oh. Toronto,
4: Ontario, Canada. rather pleasant here. Yeah. We were at the Commodore Ballroom not too
5: long ago. Oh yeah. Good place. Saw you there years ago. Good show. What show did you see, Bev? David Johansson at the Commodore. (laughs) I'll have to show you the pictures sometime, (laughs) Nardworth. All right. Well thanks much, Bev, and
0: do do the loot doo. Quick, quick. Now, David, speaking of music, you've done hundreds of gigs. Now, I noticed that the New York Dolls, speaking of Toronto, at one time played Toronto and had the band Rush as an opening act. Do you remember having Rush as an opening act for the New York Dolls at all? Vividly. Did you enjoy their prog rock stylings?
4: (laughs) Well, I think, you know, when you get down to it, Nordwar. The thing about Rush that appeals to me is in the vise of one Getty Lee who I would say as far as ambassadors of goodwill are concerned Canada could not do better. He is a man who traverses the world with wisdom, wit, good humor, and I would go as far to say that he's an empath.
0: Caller, are you there? I am. Go ahead to David Johansson of the New York Dolls.
2: Hello, David. Hello. I was
4: wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you got involved with John Journo and the Journo Poetry Systems record series. Oh, well, you know, I guess John thought that I was a bit of a poet and uh, he was interested in the stuff I was writing and we were both kind of, well, he he more than I, but acquaintances of William Burroughs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess we met at uh, a place they called the Bunker on the Bowery, which was uh, Bill Burroughs' hideout in New York. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got to talking one day, and he asked me if I would uh, make a, let's let's be honest about this, if I would give him a free cut for one of his records. Mm-hmm.
0: Tell it like it is, David Johansson. We really appreciate the honesty. Thank you.
4: Um, I think I told him. I think he did. Uh, <laughs> I knew I knew. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I wrote him a tune, and uh, I think I did a couple of tunes with him.
0: Well, thanks for the call, caller. Anything else you want to add out there at all, no, caller?
4: thank you. You know, you have a very cultured, intellectual audience, Nordwar. Well, thank you. Only the best for you, David because, And so when you kept on telling the phone number that perhaps it was me that uh, no one was calling or perhaps no one was listening to... To begin with.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have people listening and we have David Johansson of the New York Dolls on the line. Thanks so much, caller, and do 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 loot <laughs> do. One other thing I would like to ask you about David Johansson. Blackie Lawless of the metal band Wasp, was he at one time ever slotted to be in the New York Dolls?
4: Well, as I recall Nardwar, one time we were in uh Florida and uh, I believe he was a Florida guy, and I believe John was incapacitated, and we had a gig to perform, and I think he filled in for John on one of those gigs in some kind of a redneck country and Western Bar where they put a cyclone fence in front of the stage so you don't get hit with any heavy flying objects
0: and then years later you realized that he ended up in wasp or did somebody have to point this out to you or were you watching tv and you're like oh my god that guy played with us
4: i'm not really familiar with the genre
0: wasp they're pretty amazing they have stuff that like drip from their mouth like blood he drinks blood live on stage
4: well do you know what a wasp is it's a white anglo-saxon protestant am i right
0: that's one definition. It's also and some, Why
4: do wasps go to the hospital, Nardwar?
0: I'm not sure, David Johansson. Why do wasps go to the hospital?
4: For the food, Narwar.
0: Boom. And speaking of wasps, etc., David, when did you first become aware of the rock and roll rocker known as Morrissey? He's been wearing Smith shirts and lots of New York Dolls shirts for years and years and years. When did you first become aware of him and know that he was a super fan? When did you first meet him?
4: Well, when I was a young man and he was still a mere lad, he was the president of the Dolls fan club. In the UK, and he would send me letters, and he would also write rather impassioned letters, letters to uh, like the New Musical Express and the Melody Maker, and you know English rock publications, pleading his case of. Uh, his superior knowledge of music and how the New York Dolls were the far superior band uh, of the times.
0: What I was wondering, David Johansson, was, it's fascinating, how many people did you communicate with pre-fame that became really famous like that you met before they got famous for instance like you ran in you know you had Blackie Lawless play for you you had a pre-fame Morrissey writing you what other people did you encounter that became super famous I would imagine that every gig you played at every gig there was some bands that probably sprouted out for instance at that gig in Toronto that you played with Rush I know that members of the punk band the Vile Tones and Teenage Head were in attendance what sort of people did you meet back then and do you remember any of them that have gone on to anything today
4: well i know bo derrick made a big film um judy garland everyone knows about and uh let me think uh Lana turner i introduced her to johnny stompanato and, and that's all i can remember
0: and caller are you there Yes. Go ahead to David Johansson Caller.
4: Hello. I just wanted to ask about, um, for a while you were appearing in quite a few movies, and it seems, if memory serves, it was kind of like Bill Murray films and stuff. Or I'm wondering how that came about or who the connection was, because I, I thought I remember there was a consistency in the stuff you were appearing, whether it was the same director. or Anyway, how'd that come about? Well, one day I was hanging out with Bill Murray, and he said, oh, I'm making a new movie. Do you want to be in it? And I said, yeah. So then I was in his film and it was kind of a popular film. And then there was a film called Let It Ride, which is kind of a cult film, but it's actually, and I wouldn't say this unless I meant it, it's actually a very good film, but it's really only fully appreciated by degenerate horse gamblers. <laughs> and, uh, it's kind of like their Bible. Oftentimes, I'll meet a degenerate horse gambler at church or at the library and they can recite the script verbatim. Well, wow. And then <laughs> from time to time I would be asked to be in someone's film or other, but it's not something that, uh, I did pretty much, you know, as a living or as a passion. It was just something that uh, I was kind of fooling around with.
0: Well, thanks so much, caller. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, caller?
4: No, thanks, Nardwar.
0: Well, thanks, and do-do-da-loot-do. On the Dolls CD that Morrissey presented, David, there's a track called Dialogue, where you're talking. I was also looking at the All Dolled Up DVD, and there was a lot of great talking. I love the stories in between songs. Do you still tell a lot of stories in between songs in the New York Dolls?
4: Um, Occasionally I move to uh, recant uh, a tale or two, but, you know, We like to keep it rocking, but occasionally I will tell a story about perhaps a hapless situation that Sylvain encountered or something like that.
0: The reason I ask this is, the story I heard you talking about was the story behind the song hoochie coochie man. And then it made me think, you've covered some amazing stuff in your solo stuff and with the New York Dolls, obscure stuff that maybe nobody really knows about. You're almost teaching to people. For instance, like Muddy Waters, Little Geneva. You covered Mississippi John Hurt, Richland Woman Blues. you recovered Doc Boggs. You've covered Roy Brown, Butcher Pete, you know, Bo Diddley Pills in the New York Dolls, The Coasters, Bad Detective. Where did you learn those things? Like, some of that stuff is really, really rare. I don't know if it was rare back then, but it really shows you have an appreciation and the history for the rock. Are you a record collector scum guy? Are you totally into like record collecting?
4: Well, I I don't really have a huge record collection, but I have like a huge Rolodex of songs in my mind and as I go through life I hear certain songs and I say, Ooh, I wanna sing that song and then usually I try to find the situation where I can, in fact, sing it. But there's so many great songs around, you know, and a lot of them, I mean, a lot of songs I think people cover are, you know, obvious choices. But I try to cover songs that are kind of like unsung uh, masterpieces.
0: They're almost like Nuggets, like Lenny K.'s Nuggets.
4: Like Nuggets, exactly.
0: The total undiscovered ones. And I mentioned that even when you cover a popular artist like Bo Diddley, you'll pick like Pills, maybe which isn't as popular as some of his other songs. Like, I think it's really great. Like, you can learn quite a bit from the New York Dolls. On your brand new... The funny
4: thing about that song is Bo Diddley thinks that I wrote it.
0: No. Yeah. Wow, a friend of mine spent about 25 years trying to track down the original of that song. So maybe Bo Diddley is right. Maybe he did write it because it seems to be exceedingly rare.
4: It's on a Bo Diddley album, I believe, called The Originator.
0: I think he might have found it on 45. Does it appear on 45?
4: Maybe 45, that'd be really great.
0: I think that's why he spent 25 years looking for it. And, Mm. David Johansson, on your brand new CD, you have a song called Rainbow Store, and it made me think about store. Where did you find the best clothes when you were shopping in the New York Dolls? Like, there's a scene in the All Dolled Up video where you're going to Fredericks of Hollywood. Where did you find the best clothes? Were the clothes made for you? Where were the best clothes stores? And are any of those stores still around?
4: Well, being that we were early movers and shakers in the green movement, the ecological recycling movement, we would go to a lot of uh, secondhand stores and buy clothing from bygone eras and kind of part them up and make them presentable.
0: When did you first start wearing belly button chains, David Johansson?
4: Um, I would say I started wearing belly button chains in, I think, let me think, who was my teacher? It was Sister Regina. So I would have been in the fourth grade at Sacred Heart School. And one day, she was annoyed with me and she clamped Rosary beads to my navel, and I thought, Well, that's rather chic, and I just kept it up.
0: Were there ever any New York dolls, David Johansson? New York dolls merchandise, like maybe there is today, or will there be any New York dolls? Dolls was there any merchandise for the New York dolls?
4: Well, I've seen dolls. New York dolls, dolls, but I don't know if they were commercially available or if they were just one-of-a-kind works of art.
0: A caller emailed in a question and it says do you know suicide did you ever meet alan vega and the email person says to me that alan vega looked pretty much like the new york dolls did you ever meet alan vega or did you ever hang out with alan vega what do you think of suicide because not as many people appreciate suicide as maybe should be or they kind of slip through the cracks
4: well when we started out with the new york dolls at the mercer arts center suicide was one of the other few bands around new york at the time and they performed with us many times and i was also very friendly with marty rev so yes i knew them both quite well Uh, marty very well and alan too well
0: david johansson of new york dolls how easy was it to get through airport security Back in the 70s, again on the all-dolled-up DVD, you're just walking through airport security, no problem. How easy was it to get through airport security? Well,
4: very few uh, airport security workers were willing to pat us down. So uh, we kind of traveled to and fro as we pleased. Usually, they would uh, make a wide path for us.
0: How about those toy guns that you bought? I think you had those at the Whiskey-A-Go-Go. Did you bring those back with you on the airplane? Were you allowed to carry whatever you wanted? Were you limited with the amount of luggage you could bring back? I'd imagine you probably did a lot of thrift shopping and stuff.
4: Yeah, I don't know if anyone actually uh, packed a rod on the plane. Perhaps they were in the prop case.
0: David Johansson, one thing I want to ask you about the All Dulled Up video was it seems really fun and punk. For instance, the Matrix gig in San Francisco where Arthur Kane, can you explain about Arthur? He's in the background at the gig. I love it. He's not playing in the band because he has a broken arm, but he's on stage. Can you explain a bit about that? That looks, it looks like such a fun gig. Was that fun?
4: Oh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. I had, uh, had an accident, so to speak. And um, I believe um, a group, he tried to cut his thumb off or something. I forget exactly the details, but we couldn't really have a concert without Arthur being on the stage with us because he was kind of the muse of the New York Dolls
0: and it was great seeing him in the shot this is all the stuff from all dolled up Rob Gruen video, just in the background kind of singing along, it was just a great great moment, caught on film and also I noticed, the songs were so incredibly punk, like Mystery Girls, what was the reaction from the crowd when you're playing stuff like that, I couldn't quite gauge it did they ever yell at you, slow down play a ballad or anything, because it is just pounding punk rock, I just think it's amazing, for like 1972, 73
4: Well, the reaction was kind of like, remember the first Palm Sunday when Jesus arrived in Jerusalem on a donkey and they put palm fronds in his bath? It was kind of like that.
0: So is that good or bad? I can't really tell. I
4: think it's good. It's good. They used to throw flowers and, uh, you know, pictures of saints and things like that at us.
0: David Johansson, winding up here, the New York Dolls Halloween party you had at the Waldorf Astoria. You had Wolfman Jack at your party. Was Wolfman Jack really there? Is that what I saw? Wolfman Jack?
4: Yes, actually, uh, Wolfman Jack, he was a friend of ours, and he was uh, broadcasting from our venue, which was the Grand Ballroom of the Waldorf Astoria, and we were having a costume party And, uh, he had his radio show was live and Wolfman kind of went a little OC on inviting people down to come down to this incredible event. And I think at last count, there was 175,000 people had showed up at the Waldorf and, uh, I think the fire department had to come and kind of cool things down a little bit because there was a little trouble with the uh, overcrowding.
0: Now, who didn't know the New York Dolls in New York? How popular were you in New York? How many records did you sell in the New York area? The reason I ask this is, like, Dick Dale in the 60s, I think, was popular pretty much in California, like, sold hundreds of thousands of records right in California. Did you sell the bulkier records in New York? I would imagine you'd be the biggest thing in New York at the time. Who was bigger than the New York Dolls in that Halloween? Uh,
4: I don't think anybody was. We yeah, the most popular thing in New York, and also, we were, you know, very popular in Europe.
0: When you went to Europe, what sort of attendance did you get for the gigs? Because I know you played some big gigs there. What sort of attendance did you get versus the gigs you did across North America? For instance, like when you played with Rush or you played Vancouver in the 70s, I'm not sure if you remember that, how many people would come out? Because I'd imagine you'd be successful wherever you went. Were there any bad gigs with the New York Dolls, I mean, attendance-wise?
4: Um, no, I attend, the attendance was always good. I used to take a head headcat, and I can't remember ever being dissatisfied. I think, you know, for the Cognoscenti, or as I like to call them, the Glitterati, we were uh, their favorite band.
0: David Johansson, you also have a song, a new New York Doll CD called Gotta Get Away from Tommy. Is that Tommy Ramone you're referring to?
4: No, but it could be. But uh, I don't have to get away from him because I stay away from him. But uh, it's about another Tommy.
0: Is it a Tommy that you'd like to talk about? Can we get the story behind Gotta Get Away From Tommy?
4: Well, you know when you're a kid and you're playing with some other kid and the chemistry of the two of you makes kind of like a third monster and something horrible always happens, and then your mother says, I don't want you playing with that kid anymore. Got it. It's one of those situations.
0: Did you ever worry, David Johansson, about upsetting anyone? Like you once told the Ramones to give up. Do you ever worry about upsetting anyone?
4: Well, you know, when I said that, I didn't say it in a mean-spirited way. I knew Joey. He was a friend of mine and he had kept telling me that he wanted to start a band. So I said, well, okay, Joey, if you think that's a good idea. And then one day I was rehearsing in the same institution that he apparently was with the new Ramones when they just got together. And he came over to the room I was rehearsing in and he was very excited to inform me that he had a band. And would I come down the hall and listen to them. So I said, well, okay, Joey. So I came down and listened to them, and I have to tell you, I mean, they were making an awful racket. So I suggested, being that he was a nice kid and really bright, that maybe he should find another way to make a living, like perhaps, you know, social work or something, because he's a very sympathetic person. But I just didn't want him to have to go through all the trials and tribulations that a rock and roll band has to go through. I was looking out for his best interests. Now, thank God he had the passion for rock and roll, which overlooked my short-sighted advice because it turned out he was in one of the greatest bands of history.
0: I like the way, David Johansson, you just tell it like it is. You go there and do it. If you want to do something, you do it. Did you once, David Johansson and New York Dolls, mail your pubes to your psychiatrist?
4: Well, it wasn't my psychiatrist. It was a psychiatrist who was sending me letters imploring me to come and be psychoanalyzed. Because uh, apparently this individual had witnessed... Uh, one of our programs and thought that I was insane.
0: David Johansen, winding up here, I heard that Sylvain Sylvain's brother-in-law was Long John Baldry. Do you know if this is true?
4: This is correct.
0: That's an amazing connection, because Long John, God rest his soul, he's passed away now, lived in Vancouver for years. How did that come about? How did Sylvain <laughs> get linked up with Long Gone John Baldry?
4: Well, Sylvain was in a band called The Criminals, Uh, and Rosie was his drummer, and Rosie's brother was Long John's lover, and they moved to Vancouver and set up a nice little love nest.
0: Caller, are you there? Yeah, hi. Go ahead to David Johansson, Caller.
4: All right, Mr. Johansson. Were hey, you guys actually uh, managed by Malcolm McLaren, I think. And what was your reaction to when the Sex Pistols came out with Nevermind the Bullocks and they had that song called Pills? Well, first of all, this is a two-parter, right? Um, Malcolm McLaren was not the manager of the New York Dolls, but he did make some costumes for us, which we, he had a, a wife at the time whose name is Vivian Westwood. He's very good with a needle and thread, and we would call him and see if he could get his wife to make us, for example, some red polyvinyl patent leather pants, and he would facilitate that for us. And then, at one point, being that he was kind of a, a camp follower of the New York Dolls, you'll find camp followers throughout history. The Roman legions had a lot of them. A lot of these Berber tribesmen of today still have camp followers. Anyway, he was a camp follower of the New York Dolls. He was being an Englishman, really anal. Actually, I should say, a reserved individual. And I think in the presence of the New York Dolls, he would find some kind of liberation that he sought so desperately in his life. And when he glimpsed that liberation, he went back to England and told these young fellas that he was the manager of the New York Dolls, which was fine with me because anything to get a leg up. And then these young fellas went on to make this band The Sex Pistols. As far as them singing pills, I'm not really familiar with their oeuvre
0: caller i was going to actually ask david johansson something very similar i don't know if you heard this caller but i don't know if you heard this at all david but i think malcolm mclaren is it true that malcolm mclaren begged begged sylvain sylvain to be a sex pistol and did malcolm mclaren ever beg you to do anything david johansson
4: he begged me to do a lot of things, but I wouldn't be a part of it. And as far as Sylvain is concerned, I think there was some talk about Sylvain being a sex pistol, but I think uh, Sylvain wanted to be a sex cannon.
0: Baboon. Well, thank you, caller. Any other questions for David Johansson at all, caller? Uh, no, uh, that's it. Well, thanks so much. And do do the loot do you The almost caller. Do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> winding up here. Lastly, David Johansson, you You've are... You've
4: been winding up for a while, not
0: one. Well, there's a lot to wind up with the New York Dolls. You wanted to meet David Johansson's best idol, David Johansson, Allen Ginsberg. Did you ever meet Allen Ginsberg? Because I think you wanted to be Allen Ginsberg. Didn't you at one time? Did you ever meet Allen Ginsberg?
4: Yes, yeah. as a matter of fact, I... I met him in the men's room at the Mud Club and he said to me, David, I understand they're doing marvelous things with the blues these days. And I said, huh?
0: What's it like, David Johansson, performing with people that have influenced you or that you were totally into? For instance, didn't you do something with Little Richard at the Grammys? Yes,
4: that was heavenly oh. um i think we presented someone with a prize or something
0: well thank you very much david johansson really appreciate you phoning into the hardware human Serviette radio show i mean on your cd you also have a song called punishing world i was a bit worried about you david johansson because this is the age of the internet is it not is it not the age of the internet right now
4: that's what they tell me. Uh, everybody, it seems, has an email machine.
0: And your website, Davidjohanson.com, is dead. What happened there, David Johansson?
4: I guess whoever put that swine up may, may have either passed away or gone on to another rock star. A lot of people who are David Johansson fans are also very into David Cassidy.
0: And you've actually posed with him before, have you? Or was it Sean Cassidy that you actually uh,
4: knew? yeah, his baby brother, yeah.
0: And lastly here, I have to ask you, David Johansson, Staten Island, what's that like? Isn't there a museum of Tibetan art on Staten Island? I've never been there. What's the museum of Tibetan art about?
4: Well, did you ever see the film Lost Horizons? No. Well, it's about this group of people who go up into the Himalayas and they find this secret tibetan village and when you when you're there you never grow old but you remain the same you know physical beauty that you arrived with but if you ever leave you disintegrate into dust and The same thing happens not only at the Museum of Tibetan Art, but I would say pretty much all of Staten Island.
0: Caller, are you there?
6: Hello? Welcome to my class! Welcome to my class! Welcome to my class!
0: Thank you, caller. Ah! Thank you, caller. Are
4: you pointing that... Are you pointing that antenna towards Hong Kong?
0: Oh, I'm gonna my Call, call her and do 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 do. Call Do 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 do. Uh,
4: Mr. Johansson. Yes. Quick question for you. Yes.
6: Whatever. What? What ever happened? It's not a like human Soviet show here. It's a uh, Nordwire talking. Whatever happened to journal poetry systems?
0: Well, color actually, if you'd been listening earlier, David Johansson actually answered that question. But go ahead, David, one more time.
4: You know, I think the people in Vancouver are intellectually superior to other places.
0: It's amazing. Two questions about the Giorno poetry system.
4: I think that's fantastic. I think we need new, more poetry that's ready to reveal what the heart is ready to recognize.
0: Well, lastly here, David Johansson, New York Dolls, we're going to end on the song Dance Like a Monkey. Anything else you want to say about the song Dance Like a Monkey?
4: Is there anything I'd like to say about it?
0: Yes. What is the song Dance well, Like a Monkey?
4: Did- it's a good pursuit. Because when one dances like a monkey, one begins to take on the characteristics of a monkey. And when you think about monkeys, Nardwa, they kind of hang out in trees... They laze about. They eat bananas. They look at humans who are scurrying willy-nilly off to their mundane jobs. And I think they're chuckling at us.
0: Well, thanks so much, David Johansson. Anything else you want to add to the people out there about anything? Why should people care about the New York Dolls? Why should people care?
4: Because we care, Nardwar.
0: Well, thanks so much, David Johansson. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do the loop do.
4: Not why? <laughs>